So as we enter our time of just studying God's Word together, let's pray again and ask God to speak to each of us. Father, we do pray that you would speak and speak to uh, us individually, speak to us uh, in our hearts and our minds, remind us of the truth of, of who we are, counted worthy because you loved us, not for anything we've done, but because of your Son. We're so grateful for him. Let your presence be with your people always. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We've been going through a series together on difficult sayings, or these hard sayings, difficult sayings of Jesus. Uh, but before we jump into our text today, uh, I want to ask you, do you sometimes like to have those words of encouragement? Are you one of those persons that really kind of likes to hear uh, those, you know, get a little note that just says, hey, God is with you. I appreciate Sister Brenda. She always sends me something, sometimes a little text message, a little a little meme that just said, uh, reminding me of God's presence with us, reminding us of uh, God's faithfulness, reminding us of God's provision. Sometimes I just need those little pick-me-ups, those little words of encouragement, those little words of, hey, I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you. I'm listening. I care about you. I'm praying for you. Those little things. You know, Jesus gave us words of encouragement. Uh, Jesus told us a, a, a few things. Uh, one is in Matthew 28, uh, one of those big ones. He says, and surely I am with you always uh, to the very end of the age. I think the mic's a little hot, so maybe come down a little bit. I don't know, is, that, is it? Yeah, I think the mic's a little hot. Thank you. Thank you, Dwight. Um, Surely I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. Jesus promises his presence. Or in Matthew chapter 11, this has been one of my favorites. Come to me, you who are weary and burdened. Anybody feeling a little weary and burdened these days? <laughs> okay. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, on you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. You will find rest for your souls. I like that one. Because God would give us rest. We love the words of encouragement. But I don't know about you, but I actually like words of appreciation. Or those words that get us credit. Those words that say thank you or well done. Um, <clears throat> there's nothing worse than like turning in at a big assignment, finishing a big project at work, doing some kind of big act of service, and then... Nothing, right? It's like, oh, 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 and now for your next assignment, it's like, yeah, but how did I do on the last one? How, what happened there? Well, what about the credit? Well, what? You know what I'm saying? People like to hear, well done, good job, I appreciate you. Um, it's just one of those things that we like. Well, while Jesus did say some encouraging things, this is the one that sounds a little bit discouraging. This is a hard one for me. Look in Luke chapter 17. Here's Jesus telling a, a little parable, a little story, and he says it this way. Suppose one of you has a servant who's plowing or looking after the sheep. Okay, the hard job, right? You're plowing up the ground. You've been out in the sun all day caring for the sheep. Will he say to that servant when he comes in from the field, Hey, come along now and uh, sit down to eat. Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, 
get yourself ready, wait on me while I eat and drink, and after that you can get, get your own food. You can get your own eat and drink. Really? That one does seem a little harsh, right? You, you've just done the work all day, and the boss calls you in from the entire day of labor, and instead of you, he's like, hey, hurry up and get the dinner going. While it's cooking, run and shower, because you kind of smell. <laughs> Go ahead and get your shower, and then come back, serve me dinner, and then after that, if there's some leftovers or whatever, you can go ahead and, and have some enjoy. Take the rest of the night off. That seems a little harsh. Look at what you, how Jesus finishes this parable, verse 9. Will the master thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. Why would Jesus say that? After, you would think it would be, hey, good job, thank you, I so appreciate your service to the kingdom. Thank you so much for working so hard. Thank you for your dedications. Thank you for your gifts. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you, thank you. We like to hear that. And Jesus tells a parable that says, well, maybe you should just say, I've only done my duty. Why would Jesus say that? It makes me think of, of bondage, of, of slavery, of just, I mean, the chains are heavy here. Is that who we're supposed to be? We are only unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. Why would Jesus say that? I think there's three things that I really want you to see from this passage. Number one, it actually, Jesus' statement reminds us of grace. Jesus' statement is a reminder of a grace. What does he say? That we are unworthy servants. Unworthy. Unworthy. Why would he use the term unworthy? What is he talking about here? We've just heard both from Ethan and from Aaron about God's incredible love for us. We, we couldn't imagine how great his love for us. If we could have every star was a pen, I think a quill. And I'm like, I don't know what quill is. But it's a pen. If every star were writing and trying to fill the entire universe with words of God's love, we could never do it. It would never be enough. So why in the world would we be called unworthy? Well, it's a reminder of grace. Because in and of ourselves, we are unworthy. God has chosen to love us. And we see that most fully in the cross. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 5. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a righteous person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You understand this, right? I mean, if someone was really good, really important, he's the key to the future of the world or our nation or something, maybe one of us would sacrifice ourselves. No, no, he's more important. Take me instead. But i got to be honest, for most of you, I'm just like, yeah, well, you know, time has come. <laughs> See ya. I mean, we're not swapping out here. I mean, I, I mean, I think you're great, but, I mean, who's going to die for, like, you know, okay, maybe for our grandchildren, of course, or maybe for our, our spouse, of course, maybe for our children, but i got to be honest, you know? I mean, it's in God's hands. Right? I don't know that I'm swapping for most of you. God demonstrates his love in this. 
while we were the sinners, while we were the one who betrayed God, while we were the ones who ignored God, while we were the ones who totally went our own way, God sent his son to die in our place. It wasn't. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve God's love. We are unworthy. Our worth comes from the fact that God has chosen to love us. Okay, I'm excited about one day getting sort of the children's programs back up and going and having a lot of kids around. Do you like working with the kids? I've always enjoyed seeing, like, them hearing the Bible stories. And you, know, you always get to do a craft. The craft was always one of my favorite parts. And one of the crafts I remember as a child was the pet rock. Do you remember the pet rocks? I don't know why that was such a thing for a while. They had a few, I remember once computers came out, we had a future one, like, moppy fish or something. There would be these little fish that you could, like, feed somehow. And they were on your, on your, on your screen. But they, I, does anybody remember these things? They were like a screensaver. But before that, we had the pet rock. I mean, they, they, these little fish didn't do anything. They just were a program. I don't know why we tried to feed them and keep them alive. It didn't matter. Uh, the pet rock, though, that mattered, right? Because you would put little googly eyes on it, you know, with a little glue and you put a little hair and you put some, you decorate, right? And this was your pet rock. And you took your pet rock and, and you, and you put it up, you know, on, on the counter or next to your bed or something. It's like, this is I don't know, what, what do we name our pet rock? Um, whatever you want to name your dog, Fido, Francis, Jim. Yeah, the pet rock. We had the pet rock. It was right here. Why did that rock have any value? I mean, when mom cleaned up the room and threw away the pet rock, we were sad. It's a pet rock. Buy some more googly eyes. There's plenty of rocks out there. Go find another one. It would be fine. It had worth some reason because as a young child, we put worth upon it. That's the only reason. Realize that we have worth. The soul should feel its worth because the God of the universe, the God that who could create as many universes with as many other peoples and as many pet rocks as he wants, somehow put value on you. Put value on you to say, you are my chosen. You are the ones I love. God so loved the world that he gave his son as a trade for you. Do you not understand that your worth doesn't come from how good you are, how important you are, how many achievements you have? In fact, none of that matters. It's like, hey, God, I made it. A on my paper. Hey, God, look, I got a promotion. Do you think that's really impressive to God? He loves you just because he does. Your worth comes just because God loves you. There's a difference between seeing ourselves. I, I think this idea of unworthy helps us, especially in an age where we often feel entitled. You understand entitled, right? I like this little picture I found on the internet of the girl who um, apparently has everything she needs. She's got her little um, iPad there, and she's got her earphones. She can have all her things. And she looks pretty distraught, pretty pretty upset, pretty incensed that her dad only gave her a 20. It's like, <clears throat> come on, Dad. What am I supposed to get for 20? I mean, I'm eight years old. You know, we got important stuff to buy here. We are so entitled. I remember sitting years ago with a young college student. She was so upset. She was kind of having one of those meltdown moments. And she was. She began to just talk and just say, why won't God ask me what I want? Why won't God give me what I deserve? What, what, what about me and all my plans and all my hopes and everything that I want? I don't get everything I want. And I'm thinking, 
Because you're not God. <laughs> you, you don't get to choose. It's not that God doesn't love you. It's not that God doesn't care. But your worth doesn't come from all of your achievements. Your worth doesn't come from everything that somehow you think you deserve and that you didn't get. It's not about those things. Your worth comes from the fact that the God of the universe loves you. We need to understand that we are unworthy. That doesn't mean unloved. In fact, it's the farthest thing from being unloved. You are immensely loved. You are supremely loved. In fact, there is no greater love in the universe than that a man lay down his life for his friend. Okay, there might be one love greater than that. That the God of the universe would lay down his son for the sinners. (laughs) That might be a greater love. God laid down his son's life for you. Your soul should feel loved. But never see yourself as worthy of that love. We are unworthy servants. Jesus' statement reminds us of God's grace. But Jesus' statement does more than that. It reminds us of our status. It reminds us of our status. What does that mean? Well, what does it say again? We are unworthy servants. Servants. Now, we don't have servants, right? Well... Maybe we pay someone to clean our house, right? Uh, I think think she's pretty much thinking, we ought to be paying someone to cook. (laughs) Or maybe we pay someone to do the yard work. Or maybe we ought to, you know, maybe we have those that we employ. But we typically don't think of, like, having servants. Of course, in Jesus' time, indentured servitude was pretty common. And slavery was actually pretty common throughout the Roman Empire. And some good, some okay, like, okay, I'm just sort of, this is my job kind of slavery, but there was also more of the like truly oppressive slavery. That existed during Jesus' time as well. And so for Jesus to use this term servant, it has a meaning. It has this meaning of a bondage, of of saying, yeah, I I sort of, I do whatever you say. I am your servant. Why would Jesus use such a term like, like that? Well, it reminds us of our status, that God is God and we are not. But we need to remember that it's also, when Jesus does use the term servant, he is reminding us that it's a a privileged type of servant. It's this idea of stewardship. Okay, the Apostle Paul uses this language a lot in his letters. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he uses it to describe himself and Apollos. And he says, look, guys, we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. What is he saying? He's talking about his status. When he sees himself as this privileged, called person that God is using, he doesn't see it as, well, I'm an apostle, and you guys are the non-apostles. You can listen to me, and I'll tell you everything you need to know. Well, who's getting the supper tonight? Because, you know, I'm an apostle, and so hurry up and... In fact, he says he boasts about how hard he works among them. Our calling is not about, well, here's what I deserve. Our calling is that of a servant. Someone who puts the needs of others first. Somehow who works for the kingdom of God. Somehow people who who put other people's needs above their own. When Paul uses the word steward or servant here, the idea is this co-worker here is this person who understands what God's work is all about. And we freely choose to be a part of it. Why? Because it's good. Because it's good. 
It's good for us. Anybody have summer break? Yeah, I feel like I missed one too. Um, anybody, anybody enjoy kind of like when you just have that you know really good long extended vacation? I'm not talking about like two or three days. I'm not talking about the weekend. I'm talking about you know you get like a week or a month or a. One of my favorite things about college ministry is you work really hard and then you play really hard. I mean, we get six weeks at Christmas. I'm like, woo, summer, woo, it's done. I'll see you guys. I love you all. I'll see you in August. You know, it's like we get time off. I love having those big extended breaks. But have you ever gone with a break that's gone too long? You know what I'm saying? Where it's like it starts getting boring. It's like. I saw a thing on Netflix the other day, you know, where you can pretty much watch all the shows you want to whenever you want to. And it says, just pick something. And you can click a button and let Netflix pick it for you. Why is that? Because you've run out of stuff to watch. It's like, I, you know, there's just no more TV to watch. There's no more, like, things to do. You've done everything you want. You've relaxed as much as you want. And you kind of want to get back to work. Work is actually something that's good for us. In the Garden of Eden, before sin existed, what happened? Adam was given the job of taking care of the garden. It was supposed to be paradise. I'm thinking, I hate yard work. Are you serious? But actually, that was paradise. To have something to do. To care for the garden. We need something to do as people. And God has given us the privilege of being unworthy servants, that our work could actually change lives of others, that we could actually be what? Co-workers, not just Paul and Paul and, and Apollos, but Paul, Apollos and God. We work together with God to accomplish his work in the lives of others. Sometimes in the church, it can just seem like a burden. Anybody get to that point? Oh, I got to go again. <laughs> Oh, I got to prepare Sunday school lesson again. Oh, I have to. We've kind of not had a lot of programming here for quite some time. Is anybody a little excited about getting back to the work? It's actually good for us. Jesus in John 15 elevates this idea of servant and says, look, I don't even call you servants anymore. This is Jesus talking to his apostles, his 12 guys. I no longer call you servants. Why? Because a servant doesn't know, know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I've learned from my father. I've made known to you. Does that mean, hey, you're friends now. You don't have to do any work. Absolutely not. They still had the same work to do, but before it was just Jesus giving them instructions. Do this, do this, I'll give you your list of tasks to do for today. It changed, and it became no longer a list of things to do, but it became a shared mission. A shared mission that together we are working together for the kingdom of God, for something that is much beyond our regular and our mundane. I don't like busy work. I don't know anyone who does. I don't like bosses who just give me a, a, a task list. I want meaningful work. God, the God of the universe, who could just give us meaningless tasks, has given us and called us to meaningful work. Jesus' statement, I am an unworthy servant, reminds us of our status. He goes on to say, you're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants. 
I chose you to go, that you might go and bear fruit. Not just any fruit, but transformation of lives, a transformation of the world. Well, finally, why would Jesus say this? I think it reminds us of our obligation. Jesus said we're unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. Our duty. We never need to get too far from the idea that the work that God has given us is an obligation. There is responsibility. There is something that we are placed in this world to do. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it's one of my favorites, but it says, look, you are his handiwork. You are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God has laid out in advance for you to do. There's something today that is your task. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's an email. Maybe it's an encouraging word. Maybe it's a telling a neighbor about Jesus. Maybe it's cooking some food to take to someone in need. Whatever it is, you've got something to do. Maybe it's just getting your job done, right, to help provide for your family. Maybe it's taking taking care of your children. Maybe it's reaching out to a grandparent. But every day is filled with meaningful work. God has called us to do our duties. And when we fail to to answer the call, we're left out. We miss out. But also, the kingdom of God is missing out. The kingdom of God is missing out. Your brothers and sisters in the church are missing out. So as Valley Baptist Church moves forward, I'm so thankful for that unanimous decision last week to move forward. One abstention, but we move forward, rightly decided to say, God, we believe you want to do work here. We need to be, rem- we need to be reminded that we are unworthy servants, but who have been given a duty to do. You know, we look forward to eternity. We just do. There will be a final judgment. There will be something that God will say. And if you know Jesus, eternal life it belongs to you and heaven belongs to you. And if you don't know Jesus, you are separated for eternity. I don't know what heaven's going to be like. But Jesus told a parable and he said this at the end of it. The people who did their tasks well, who took care of their responsibilities well. Jesus said at the end of this parable in Matthew 25, his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come share in your master's happiness. Are you living for those words? Streets of gold, I'm not sure they'll matter in heaven. A mansion in glory, not sure that that's all that great. That more more things to do. Maybe it's a mansion you don't have to clean. <laughs> you think it might be small because I don't want to clean a whole lot. Or maybe we, you know, maybe the angel will take care of the cleaning. I don't know. Is that what we're looking forward to? I, I, I got to be honest. To hear God Almighty, the Savior Jesus, our King, say to us, "Well done, good and faithful servant. Come share in your Master's happiness." I think uh, 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 that that's the heaven reward. I think that right there 
is reward enough. Well, the call is clear. If you don't know Jesus, you don't have reward because you are unworthy, just like all of us. We've all sinned, as Ethan reminded us. We've all sinned and fallen short of the God's glory. If you'd like to choose Jesus today, right where you're sitting, you can pray, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want to be yours. Or come down to the front if you need to know more or to make your decision known to the church and just say, look, I'm choosing to follow Jesus. If that's you today, don't wait. Some of you... Maybe you feel a call to be part of this church. To say, you know, I know my master's business. And I think my master is calling, Jesus is calling me to be right here. And to work. And to finish the task. If God's calling you to be part of this church, you're also welcome to come during this time. Uh, come down to the front. We, and, and, and just let the church know of your decision to desire to be part of this congregation. Finally, there may be some of you that God's just working on your heart. Maybe there's a burden, a need, a place where you're just saying, God, come and speak. If that's you today, don't wait. You come. You respond as God is calling you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the gifts of your spirit. Thank you for the calling to be part of your work in this world. Thank you for loving unworthy people and making us the object of your, of worth by sending your Son to show us of your great love. We pray all of this in the name of the one who showed us our worth, Jesus our King. Amen.